every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone live from Wasatch Front, Kia, Kia, Kia. Come see us, 770 West Riverdale Road, right up here in Ogden. Time for a little What's Going On, checking in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. A lot of college football in today's edition. Gordon? Good. Are you prepared? I am. I'm ripping, ready to go, raring something to go. A lot of R's there. Rut roll. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Uh, let's start with DJ and PK. Uh, each week they talk with them. Utah uh, offensive lineman Nick Ford. Let's hear a portion of that conversation. You have a bye this week, obviously, and you know football seems uh, trivial in certain times, particularly in a, in a situation like this. But this might be the most appropriately timed bye ever in the history of college football because I'm not sure how you would play a game, but you do have time off uh, this week. Would you agree with that assessment? Um, I guess it's not something really I really like thought about or what do you even say um you know what i mean yeah i hesitate to even ask you about football at this point nick i got a million i got a million football questions and i i feel like it'd be disrespectful if i asked them and at the same time uh you know we can hear the pain in your voice and I feel like I need to change the topic. What would you prefer to talk about? I don't usually ask guests that, but I think uh, in this situation, I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get we get talk about football. We can talk about whatever. I'm pretty, um, you know, I'll be able to handle whatever it is. Um, All right. But yeah. Well, a little a, a little football. Then I'm I'm curious what you thought when you saw the, the. I don't know if you watched any part of the USC game. You had an earlier game in the day. So, but if, just watching the film or seeing the score, your reaction to USC and Oregon State. Um, my overall reaction would be um, it's a crazy game, <laughs> and uh, OSU is a good program. Oregon State's a good program. Um, you can never. Honestly, count them out. Um, they're the tough team, who's usually the underdogs. But if you let you know that little light come through, they will take advantage of that. And uh, I think it showed. Can football be a therapy for you and your teammates in situations like this? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, most of the time, you know, this is escape for people. Um, especially coming out to Salt Lake and, you know, playing football is like, it's an escape from all of this. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, what it is. Um, it gives you a time, you know, to lock in and focus on things um, outside of it because, you know, once you get into the walls, it's all ball. You got to focus on whether it's your weightlifting or film or football, whatever it is, you know, um, because everyone is dealing with a lot of stuff in their life. And, um, you know, we've been coached to, you know, 
when it's, it's time to go, it's time to go. Um, you know, there's always a time and place to mourn for things, and be upset about things, or address things in life. Um, but football, for sure, is like some type of uh, distraction. Yeah. What uh, you, this is a bye week, and obviously with the tragedy, it, it's an unusual bye week. What's your schedule? Um, we got a, a, it's a good schedule. You know, practice, slip, film, um, nothing too crazy. Uh, just usual, you know, bye week. You going to have a chance to uh, go home here, or the guys have a chance to go home, you individually, or the guys as a group? Uh, I'm going to stay out here. I don't know what uh, anyone else's plans are. I kind of usually just lay low, especially when season comes or even like summer comes. Like that, I, I go home in like May and then I'm here for the rest of the year. You've been in the program a number of years. Uh, where are you on the academic ladder? Are you, are you done and working on graduate stuff? Where, where do you stand there? Uh, yeah, so I graduated twice. I got a, a BS and um, psychology and uh, criminology. And then I did a bunch of um, prereqs for med school. So right now I'm kind of just taking easy classes because there's no way you can do med school and, yeah. you know, college football. So. <laughs> yeah, we understand that. What kind of medicine yeah. What kind of medicine you interested in? Uh, anesthesia. Yeah, I remember talking to you as a freshman and you were talking about that. Uh, I assume there's going to be a service. I, I think the team went, or most of it, correct me if I'm wrong, when there's a Ty Jordan situation there. Is that going to be the same thing here? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, we just got to work out all the details and uh, see how the cards land. With DJ and PK, a number of, uh, of interesting things covered in that conversation. And, you know, I wonder um, about football being a way to get out some energy. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of, uh, of how Nick put it. You know, I think he used the word distraction, things like that. I mean, it's just such a horrible situation. You don't know how it's going to affect a, a team of people who are connected to it. And yeah, I wonder if football or, or even school for that matter or something else can be a positive way to, I guess, direct that energy. Maybe to each his own yeah. on that. But you could, you could feel through that whole interview that that was far from a typical interview. Yeah. Far from it. Well, and David, I thought, you know, very uh, politely acknowledged that yeah. when he, he kind of said to Nick, well, you know, okay, talking football. and Yeah, good, you know, of, good of Nick to come on with right. him and to, uh, to, to, to just make that appearance. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's... If you want to know what the team's going through, let me put it this way, you can hear it. Yes, yeah, exactly. Is, is that fair to say? And look, I mean, the Ute fan base, they... If, if you're a fan of the Utah football program, you feel, know how you felt. Uh, imagine being a teammate, yeah, and a friend, and a, I mean, just how difficult that is. So Brutal. we've all been thinking about Aaron this week and uh, wishing uh, his family and his friends and his teammates, uh, his coaches, everyone the best because they're all fighting their way through it. All right, let's uh, let's move on uh, to Hans and Scotty G. They had a chance to talk to Kalani Sataki, head coach at BYU. Let's get a few minutes of that. Yeah, well, we lost we lost a lot of uh, veterans, and so our team is pretty young. You know, we have a young team all overall, and on defense, uh, when you're missing, um, you know. 
leaders and, and, and guys that you – I mean, even Keenan Peely, as far as football years, has tons of eligibility. You know, same with Peyton Wilgar and others on our team. So it's 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 not a very uh, old team. But um, there's a lot of great players on there. We just have to – you know, when we when we have injuries and guys aren't, aren't 100%, um, we're not going to play with certain D linemen if they haven't ha- had opportunity to put pads on in practice. That's just – it doesn't do them any, any, any good. But I get into the game – on Saturday, and then and then expecting them to go out there and perform when they haven't had an opportunity to, to even perform against our scout team, and so we had to hold some guys out because of that. But that's just everyone's doing that, so it's it's, it's part of the game, you know, where you have to deal with your depth, and it just happens that our, a lot of our young guys, our depth, we're, we're, we're tapping into a freshman and sophomores, and and maybe not a lot of experience, but. You know, it was a good experience for them to make plays and try to find a way to get out of drives in South Florida. They didn't do as well as I know they wanted to. But like I said earlier, it's it's a lot of pressing. Guys trying to do too much, which you know, Hans, is, is a, it's a, that's a youth thing, right? That's a, a young yep. guy's, like, when you're supposed to have contain and then you try to take off and try to chase it from the backside, that's, that's, that's just a young guy learning. And um, unfortunately, you have to learn sometimes with experience, and, and it's good that we have all this film to teach them and hopefully they they uh, a little bit more disciplined when it gets to to the game on Friday and when they get on the field because we're going to need to rely on our depth and th- those guys have to grow up really fast. You enjoy going to Logan and playing? Always a fun atmosphere up there. Yeah, I love it, man. After last year and not having fans at all, um, it's just nice to have people in the stands. Um, the energy, and you know, and, and have tons of respect for Utah State and and their fan base and their coaches and and the alumni that come from there. I mean, we we know this is a rivalry game. I've enjoyed it when I was a player. I enjoyed going up there and playing that game, and uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I, I, that's what college football is all about: is is uh, going to an opposing team and and, and their stadium and, and and just a cool environment for our players to get used to. And uh, some of these guys haven't been in, into an environment like that and so looking forward to seeing them get on the field and, and, and having this opportunity to play in front of Utah State's fans and their, and their student section it's gonna be a lot of fun we're looking forward to it I know you've got plenty of experience in that stadium if I'm not mistaken going back to your senior year didn't Utah State take you into double overtime that year wait a minute I think you need to say we I think you were on that team. <laughs> no, well, I can't even you know what like I don't know what it is my memory is so gone that you probably have to remind me more it's one of those things Hans where you're like hey you remember when this happened and I need I need some more follow-up but yeah I, I just remember having some really really good um, battles with some Utah brawls, State and, brawls and up just, there. just having some great. I mean, it was so yeah. much fun. I just, I just like that. I like the energy. I like, I like the whole atmosphere of college football. I think Logan's such a cool town, man. It's such a cool college setting town. I'm just for college football, and I'm just really honored that we get to play this game Friday night in front of in front of national TV and in front of a national wide audience. And it's gonna be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. I want our guys to show up there and, and have fun with the moment, and, and we'll see what happens at the end. Was there a moment where you felt like you might be a coach up there? Because I think Gary recruited you to get up there uh, back in '09, I believe. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to go up there and, and was looking at some, you know, some places to to, to possibly, you know, buy and some real estate out there when when uh, when when we were at Utah and making the move, possibly making the move. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just a uh, man. I have so much like I I, I can't. 
I have more more respect for that place than I think a lot of people know, and and um, it just happens to have a, you know, the, the the field has Olsen name on it, so you know Hans is connected to that place. There's a lot of great connections with Logan, with Utah State, and BYU, and the fan base and the families and everybody that's involved, and it's it's been a lot of fun. I, it's been a lot of fun watching them play, uh, you know, the the first four games of the season and, and seeing some really cool things from from that team and and, and from that program. So looking forward to being up there. I'm glad the kickoff's not at 10 a.m., but I'm looking forward to to it being loud and, and having a lot of fun with everything. Coach, you've got a lot of background experience as a, as a defensive coordinator, and I, I know that you really give a, a lot of, of leeway and respect to what Elisa Tuyaki wants to do and, and comments on. But I, I want to get your thoughts uh, really quickly on these high-paced offenses where you're looking at Utah State and 80 snaps. Does that take away an ability to be more creative defensively? Do you have to run more base? Uh, how do you how do you work and manage that in such a short period of time to throw in a play call, and and what does that do to a defense? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the high pace it it, it, it can be d- disruptive for for a defense to get ready for, but um, at the same time, there's a lot of teams that are doing it. I think Utah State does it at a, at a faster rate than most. Um, I, I'd have to say they're one of the fastest in the country right now, um, but but it's really impressive that they can get lined up and do that, and it, and it it messes with your depth, it messes with your your rotation. You're right; you probably can't do a lot of a lot of uh, different calls and different different things that you want to do but you, we're going to try you know that's that's part of the game is that uh, we don't want um, the offense to take away as much of our um, innovation and creativity on defense but at the same time um, they, they they really stress you so it's going to be kind of it's going to be a fun thing for us that we're going to run two huddles on scout defense and, and get try to get ready for it because it's going to be it's going to be quicker than than you think and, and that kind of happens sometimes when, when you're not used to it um, and, and we've we've had some uh, some experience with no huddle and, and fast-paced offense. It's not as much as not as fast as what we've seen with Utah State so far. Uh, Utah State featuring a couple of receivers, pretty good in particular. Number thirteen, Devin Tompkins. Uh, what have you seen out of that young man and that and that and that core of receivers that seem to uh, find a way to get open more often than not? Yeah, tons of speed, man. And I I, I think um, you're looking at at at, at um, you know, Devin Tompkins and Bowling, those guys are can play right. Uh, McGriff is a big, long body that that poses matchup problems, um, and then you you complement that with a really good run game and then a, a physical O line. Uh, you know, and they're really coached well. So the, the the whole offense is coached well at all angles, and, and so you you know that they have they're going to have their guys ready. You know, we we need to do our part, and and I know it's going to be a tough matchup, but we're looking forward to it. Um, they have a guy named Chucky Keaton that knows a lot of has familiarity with with us as well as as an opponent on their staff, and they got guys that, that know football, in, especially in the state, and are more familiar with BYU like Al Abuajo and um, DJ Tialavea. Those guys are on their staff. They do a good job. You can just see um, all, all together those guys do a great job coaching, and, and that's a huge, uh, huge credit to, to what Blake Anderson's doing with his team and with his staff. And you can see him establishing that type of culture and that type of expectations from their their staff and their players. But a lot of explosiveness from that that wide receiver group, and then I don't think you should overlook the, the tight ends. They, they they have some explosiveness and athleticism as well. There you go, Coach Sataki with uh, Hanson, Scotty G. 
Uh, coach obviously taking a, a different uh, public stance toward the rivalry than a couple of his players. Yeah, there's, uh, he's very respectful, as you would expect him to be. Uh, but uh, I don't know if it's going to be a fun experience. <laughs> Maybe it will be if they win. But uh, I imagine it's going to be pretty crazy up there. But, man, you, you listen to Kalani talk about Utah State. You think they're going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks? Well, that what, who was famous for doing that? Isn't it Lou Holtz? Who was <laughs> when he was in Notre Dame? He was famous for over the top talking up his next opponent, no matter who it may, who it happened to be. Well, but, well, Utah State's good, and that's interesting. He they talked about the up tempo nature of what Utah State likes to do, and if they really do have all that speed, then that could speak to one of BYU's defensive weaknesses. And if you get that momentum going. And the defense is scrambling. Doesn't that seem like that might play into an advantageous situation for the Aggies based on what we saw out of BYU this last week? Well, that's certainly what the Aggies want to do. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm sure I watched, BYU will, will game plan against that. Yeah, I watched the Boise State-Utah State game, and that was not exactly an impressive showing. Well, the hard part about the up-tempo offense is it can snowball one way, but it can snowball the other. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know your your off or your defense has a hard fought drive. Maybe they were out on the field for a long time. Maybe they give up a field goal or or something. But it's a, a long sustained drive. The offense comes back out on the field, quick three and out in forty five seconds, and all of a sudden that defense is back on the field. Yeah. I mean, it it can snowball on you the other way. So whereas, you know, an up tempo offense is certainly a challenge for the defense. There's a downside to it too. We we saw it when uh, the go fast go hard thing was the thing at BYU. There were a lot of situations where teams either won games or hung in games. They had no business hanging in because BYU would do two or three consecutive quick three and outs, and the other team had time to get it going. So, yeah, I, I know why coaches do the high-tempo offense, but there's a downside to that as well. And you just articulated it you know, because if, if your defense is already struggling and next thing you know they're back out on the field again, because your offense couldn't pick up any yards, and they did it in like 13 seconds, that makes it difficult. Yeah. You know, speaking of the Aggies, uh, that great year they had with Jordan Love when they ran some up-tempo stuff with Coach Yost up there, those defenses weren't holding teams into the teens. You know what I mean? I mean, it didn't matter because the Aggies were putting up 50 points a game or whatever it was, but, you know, there's a downside to that up-tempo too. So let me ask you a question. BYU goes out. Defense plays more along the lines of the way they've been playing before what we saw in the second half against South Florida. So they're doing all right. But the offense, for whatever reason, struggles with Jaron Hall as the starter. How oh, stop it. Do they go to Baylor? Do I they? I don't think so. No matter what? I don't know about no matter what. I mean, week one, the Packers benched Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love, so I don't, I don't know about. <laughs> well, no he had what. an attitude thing. He was trying to put but a point. But do you? Yeah, we still need to get to that, by the way, whether he was sandbagging <laughs> or not. Um, but so never say never. But I think, I, it, it's a tough thing in football, right? You want to be firm on your decision and go with the guy you want to go with, and not second guess that. But sometimes, you know. Players come in and beat others out or injuries happen or all those sorts of things. It, it's a really complex decision. But I think they went with Jaron Hall for a reason. 
He's certainly done nothing to lose his job. And, Baylor, and even Baylorami said that. Yeah, and Baylor played well against South Florida, but, I mean, was it Alex Smith, Brett Elliott well? You know Brett what I mean? Brett was pretty good. Brett was pretty good, but two games into Alex starting, you knew Brett was never getting his job back. <laughs> yeah, that looked pretty obvious, didn't it? But Baylor Romney's a fine quarterback, but uh, Jaron Hall won the job. Baylor said a, a, a starter shouldn't lose his job uh, due to injury, and uh, he he said that, and he believes it. And you know, well, does he? <laughs> he well, that. yeah, I think he does because what if he's the st- if he's the starter and he goes and throws two interceptions? The last thing he wants to do is be looking over his shoulder. Yeah, but how do you know he's thinking that? Well, I don't. Yeah, exactly. You said you he believes he, it. I said, oh, I don't know about that. He said it. You th- I think he'd rather be starting going forward regardless of the reason. <laughs> well, either way, uh, Jaron Hall obviously uh, has some, some talent that uh, most quarterbacks don't have. Well, So we'll see what kind of shape he's in. But what if he's like 75% instead of 100%? Jaron Hall? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you still go with him? What's this math test? Can he go? Can he go out and play or not? I. It gets back to you know. I remember when uh, Bronco refused to put in James Lark when Riley Nelson had a broken back. Yeah. And it was like Riley Nelson's just going out there and and hurting his team. But but Bronco's opinion of of James Lark must have been so low. <laughs> That he just would not put him into the game. So it's it's the calculation a coach has to make. Is is it probably more narrow with Baylor than it, it is other players? Probably, but I don't know. You know, I had a conversation about this very topic with uh, Lavelle Edwards once, and he he was pretty stubborn about staying with the starter because he thought it was too detrimental uh, to to be playing fast and loose with the quarterbacks. Uh, you often bring this up. If someone gets benched and the other guy comes in, what happens if he doesn't do very well? Right. Are you going to go, go back, back to the other guy? Yeah, it's tough to, to put but, the but genie because back in the ba- Because Baylor Romney was as impressive as he was, that is an advantage BYU, but it can be a slippery slope because now Jaron Hall, you just don't want – I know it sounds like you're babying the quarterback, but the last thing you want to do is make a quarterback feel like uh, lose his confidence and make him feel like he's he's uh, his job is in danger. Because hey. then he just starts doing stupid stuff he ordinarily wouldn't do. Right. No, I get it why coaches are hesitant to do it. Plus, coaches don't like being wrong. But, you know. I think BYU's offense is pretty talented. They've had some games where they didn't quite show – uh, show all that, but it, in talking about that that uh, up tempo offense, if Utah State does that and it does start to slip away from them a little bit, that BYU offense can score, you know, and punish you if you don't make that offense work. So they'll have to do that in order to give themselves a chance in this game. Because uh, I don't care who's playing quarterback for BYU. You put them on the field over and over again, they're, 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 they're well represented on the offensive line. Their wide receivers are really good. Their tight ends are really good. And their running backs are really good. I think that about covers it, doesn't it? Yes. be interesting to see what that Aggie defense can do. Uh, because I'll tell you, against Air Force, 
There were a whole lot of points scored in that game yeah. going each way. And if, uh, if Tyler Algier gets out running and you can't slow him down, that was a real problem for the Aggies last year, and I know it's a different team this time around because they added some nice transfers who are pretty darn good defenders, uh, and Justin Rice being one of them. But we'll see. We'll see. How, that's what makes this game interesting. And then you throw in the emotion of the rivalry, which it really is. Now I heard, I, I don't know who was, maybe it was you said it, Jake, uh, before I got here, talking about, or maybe it was Austin, talking about injury and and uh, energy, how those two things can, can level out that field, regardless of who has more talent. That's why I think BYU, those guys who are talking like, ah, this is just another game, all that stuff, well, you better not play like that. Because if you play like that, you're going to get, you, you can put yourself in a position to get beat. Because you know Utah State is going to have all kinds of energy. And if they can control that energy to and funnel it into uh, you know, execution, that's, uh, that makes football teams dangerous, in my opinion. And I think the, I'd be surprised if the Aggies played the way they did last week against Boise State. We're at Wasatch Front Kia. Kia, Kia, come on out, 770 West, Riverdale Road. They have uh, great deals going on on Kias. You can come out, test drive one, get great customer service, not to mention their fantastic service department. Uh, take it somewhere you trust. That's Wasatch Front Kia, Kia, Kia. We'll have more next on The Big Show. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Cougars at 30 update. Here's Coach Tataki. He's pleased with uh, Coach Roderick's job so far this season. Most of my coaching career we've been together at Southern Utah and Utah now here. So I didn't know what he can do. And when we got here, I asked him to get that quarterback room deep and to have them all ready and uh, to play as many as we need to if, if it comes to that. And that's what he does, man. He, he gets his guys ready. He gets them prepared for the game. And I had to give a lot of credit to Baylor and, and to, to, to Jaron and, and the guys that they are. But, uh, you know, A-Rod knows how to pick quarterbacks. He knows how to talk to them. He knows how to mentor them and bring them along the way. And, and uh, the proof is what, in what he does, and not, not just here but in his career, how he's mentored and prepared a lot of quarterbacks. And so far, it's working out really well for us. This update is brought to you by the Sonic Grilled Cheeseburger, buttery Texas toast, 100% pure seasoned beef layered with American cheese. Make it a single or a double for a limited time. Order online and uh, or the Sonic app and save 50%. The Sonic Grilled Cheeseburger. Oh, man. 
make a play. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. Blake Anderson and the Aggies welcome in BYU for a showdown against the Cougars in Maverick Stadium. Hear all the play-by-play action on the Zone Sports Network, beginning with a pregame show Friday at 6. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big year. In my five years, I think this is one of the biggest for us. I think after the performance we had last year in the regular season, you know, the work we've put in and obviously coming up short, obviously, you know, we weren't as healthy as we wanted to be. But, you know, I think this is a big year for us just as a whole because, you know, we're not going to sneak up on anybody. Last year, you know, we weren't necessarily everybody's eyes top eight. You know, now we're here and people see us as that. And it's for us, it's, you got to continue to do what we do, but come out with a fire and a hunger and an edge that we really, I can't say we've had before. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just feel like on an even other, on a higher level. Um, and I think that's something that we all understand. We we put the work in this summer. We're going to continue to do it to training camp and throughout the season. It is the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz season right around the corner, Gordon. Uh, A story I think we touched on uh, but didn't uh, spend a whole lot of time with regarding the Utah Jazz, and this is really an overall NBA topic. And, you know, talking about uh, COVID-19 and vaccination stuff isn't always the most fun, but it's certainly going to be relevant this NBA season. Um, the Jazz are 100% vaccinated. I believe that goes for the entire organization, not just the team, but the team itself, which is uh, relevant uh, to this topic, uh, is 100% vaccinated, so don't have to worry about some of the other hoops and things that uh, they had to jump through last year. And the NBA and the NBA players are hammering out the final uh, details on how exactly things are going to proceed. Uh, But one thing that came out today is players who are forced to miss games due to uh, executive orders governing vaccination requirements in both New York and San Francisco will not be paid for any games they miss. This is why this is important. This specifically applies to the Nets and the Warriors. It applies to the Knicks as well, but the Knicks have said they're 100% vaccinated. But in those two markets, there are mandates from the government that you have to be vaccinated to go inside of those venues. Now, there are two fairly high-profile players, well, one certainly very high-profile player in Kyrie Irving, who thus far has indicated or... or it's tough to talk about this because they haven't really confirmed it, but he wasn't at media day, right? And and so possibly not vaccinated. Andrew Wiggins basically has confirmed it and said that he's going to stick to what he believes. And I would assume that means not getting a vaccination. And thus, these guys are going to miss half of their games. And now today, they're not going to be paid for it either. Bradley Beal is another high-profile player who said he's not going to get vaccinated, but uh, I don't believe there's a such mandate for uh, Washington, D.C., at least as of yet. But the Jazz, for their part, Gordon, and I know you have comment on this, um, when Donovan Mitchell and others talked about it, they made it seem like it was kind of do-it-for-the-team kind of idea, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably where their minds need to be just because this is what they've got to do basically to go and do their job whether they like it or not i guess so you know if you're missing games you're not there for your team so i got the impression that this was an effort 
and and the team was on the same page because of how they feel about the team. Well, this is one of the things, Jake, that is uh, unique to this situation is that it does affect everybody around you. It's not just about you. It's about the effect you have on your teammates who you're in contact with on a regular basis. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, you know how I am on this. I just don't understand why people don't get vaccinated. I mean, this thing is killing people all around the globe. Just get vaccinated. Is that such a radical idea still? I mean, when you look at the comparisons between the areas where the vaccination rates are high versus where they're low, I mean, the evidence is clear, right? I mean, I I saw something on Twitter today. And, of course, if it's on Twitter, it must be true, right, Jake? Usually. But a friend of mine who was a longtime golf writer, I worked with him in L.A., he tweeted out a thing, a comparison between Florida and California over a certain period of time. Uh, and it, the, the comparison was in deaths in, in California was like 4,000 and something. In Florida, it was 14,000 over a specific period. To me, I, I just don't understand why people don't get it done for their own well-being, for the well-being of their family members, and for the well-being of everyone around them, which is a big part of this. And that's what makes it different than, well, this only affects me, so I can make my own decision about it. It doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around you, or at least potentially could. And in the NBA, they they want to take this very seriously, as, as they should. Let me ask you this, though. What would happen if, and I don't know if this does happen or whether it could happen, if, if they're not going to p- play pay players who, who can't play because of COVID-related stuff, what happens if, uh, if Joe and Jill Sixpack out there were not paid for their downtime because they chose not to get vaccinated in their job? I, I'm not sure it's quite comparing apples to to apples, um, to be to be honest with you. Because, well, I'm trying to to figure out the the best. The NBA players are not being. If you get COVID, regardless of vaccination status and miss games, that's not what they're talking about here. They're talking about you're not going to get paid because you can't get in the building. You can't play because you can't get in the building. So they're not going to pay you because you can't meet the standards to live up to your obligation. I see. So it's different from an unvaccinated person who gets coronavirus and can't go to work as a result of it. It's not that's not an accurate comparison. Look, I'm not blaming people who get covid. That's not my point there. But if you do everything you can to avoid getting it namely get vaccinated, then I think you're 100% blameless. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not really interested in the blame discussion. And to the NBA players' credit, 90% of the league is vaccinated, which is well ahead of overall society. Yeah, true. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're not really, uh, if you are looking for a population to shake your fist at, they, there's a, a high-profile few who aren't doing it. But the NBA overall done is, has done a really good job. The interesting part to me is, is what these players are going to have to go through if they can play at all. And in the case of Kyrie Irving, I mean, he's really in, in 
well, and Andrew Wiggins for that matter, they're really in the uh, between a rock and a hard place right. because do they forfeit half their salary and let down their teammates? Or do they comply and do something that they are, I guess, not comfortable doing for lack of a better reason or certainly goes against whatever their reason they're deciding not to do it? What's your best guess as far as I could tell you what I do? I would do just about anything to uh, to rake in that, though. (laughs) And And you know what? Maybe you can make an argument whether it's fair or not that he's painted into that corner. And there are others in society that are painted into that corner and faced with similar positions. And maybe that's fair and maybe that's not. But in this case, there's a lot on the line. Yeah. And he does let down his team if he's unable to play in half their games. I mean, the Nets are one of the the title contenders. Well, here's the thing about that. You said there's a lot on the line. There's a lot on the line for everyone. Sure. When you're talking about a health issue, there's a lot on the line. Well, we're talking about, but what's half of Kyrie Irving's salary? We're talking about $15 million. I have to look it up. No, it's more than that. It's like 20. We're talking 20 million bucks. That doesn't really compare to death now, does it? No, but I don't think we're talking about life or death in the NBA. I don't know. I, I did don't we lose know. anybody last year? I, I well, I they mean, played without vaccinations last year. Did we lose anybody? I I'm, mean, not gonna, I'm not going to. I'm not going to diminish this like that, Jake. Oh, gonna, but many, let's not go over the many, top in our rhetoric. There's too many people who have been severely, severely I got, impacted. I know, and it's not even a matter of what. Well, I'm not talking about the players necessarily dying. I'm talking about if they get it and they pass it on to somebody around them, then they could possibly die. Okay, I I got it. I got you. So I don't think I'm overstating it at all. But we're going on. It's happening. The NBA is playing this year. They're playing in front of full stadiums this year. This is this is happening. And the, the standards that people are requiring to make it happen are very much relevant. Well, I mean, you can't even get into Vivid Arena without being vaccinated now. Well, or proving a negative test in, what is it, 72 hours? So... Yeah, I mean that that is very much that is very much relevant. And when it comes to players, fans want to see their teams win games. Nets fans want to see their team go to the title. This is something that would impede that. Well, anything that encourages people to be safe in, in a pandemic, as far as I'm concerned, is at least what what what's been presented as uh, a means of limiting this as best as possible it just makes total sense to me and i i still don't understand people who are hesitant to do it uh, it's, it seems like the evidence is out there in in, in, in stacks piles that are high to uh, to go ahead and do it for your benefit and for the benefit of all around you and that goes for sports, goes for the NBA, goes for every sport, goes for every walk of life as far as I'm concerned. So I, I'm glad that the NBA has been aggressive in this regard. But they haven't gone with the full mandate. You bothered about that? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what those talks are like behind. All I know is 90% of the league is vaccinated, like you said, and that's a whole lot better than the public on the whole. I agree, but not because of a mandate from the league. Well, I mean, so while we're giving the NBA credit, look, let's give it to the you, players. Okay, you can say there's no mandate, but when your coach comes in and says, fellas, I want you vaccinated, you're going to get vaccinated. Fair enough, but that's not a mandate from the league. Okay. Well, it is... <laughs> 
depends on how you how you define a mandate. If a coach comes in and says, if you want to play, you're going to be vaccinated. But by the, the sheer CBA negotiations that are going on now, I think it is a very important fact. And and one, I'm actually fine with the NBA not mandating it, while also fine with individual franchises handling their business how they see fit. Now, in, in the case of Brooklyn, it's a little bit more delicate because Kyrie Irving, as you've talked about when we have our player empowerment discussions, mm-hmm. wields a lot better, bigger stick than, say, your, yeah. your average ball boy. So, again, why this topic is really interesting to me, because now you're in a, a standoff kind of situation where you've got a franchise player on one side and you've got the city of New York on the other. And it's going to cost him a whole lot of money. It's looking that way. Again, mm-hmm. a lot on the line. That's why, I mean, I, honestly, that's why it's, it's interesting to me. I'm, well, I'm, if you make something so punitive, you, you might as well issue a mandate. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I, don't I think, think it's close. I don't think that's their place, though. Look, you're talking to somebody who thinks everyone should get vaccinated. I know, so. I know, and you're talking to somebody who's trying to view the world through a logical prism. Jake, I don't look, on this subject, I don't appreciate that comment. Because it, it don't tell me I'm being illogical. Oh no no no, that's not what I was trying to do. I apologize if it came off that way. I, I'm 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 trying to look at this uh, less from a, a a virtuous standpoint and more from a, a what's going on. Standpoint, it's got nothing I guess. to do with virtue. I look at it. It's got everything to do with science. Okay, well maybe that's the the wrong word to use. If, if I I'm, may, I'm Jake, try- I think you're lending this from an idea of there's other viewpoints out there than both of you who feel that everyone should get vaccinated. Yeah, I, there's other things to be negotiated that I find interesting. I didn't I didn't mean to put okay. it that way. I I apologize. I'm, I'm different angle. That's right. what I was aiming for. All right. All right. We're here at Wasatch Front, Kia, 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 770 West, Riverdale Road, right out here in Ogden. Come see us. We have plenty of jazz gear for you. Get well taken care of. More next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Nick Ford, University of Utah, offensive lineman. This has obviously been a couple of really difficult days for the University of Utah. What can you tell the fans who woke up to this news and were shocked? I mean, they don't have the personal relationships that obviously fellow players are going to have. Yeah, I mean, it's something, you know, you never want to hear. And sadly, you hear it twice in under a year. It's tough. As a group right now, we're continuing on because we know that Ty and Ayla would have wanted that. And we all understand that's the best way to honor them and their lives is to continue on pushing. It's a really players-led program and a brotherhood, honestly, like no other. And it's time like this where it shows because you honestly see how hurt people are by this. And you also see how much other people care and, you know, take care of each other. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For the best college football coverage in Utah, this is your Utes at 50 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Utes at 50 update. Here is Coach Witt talking about the season story can be reduced to one phrase, missed opportunities. Squandered a lot of opportunities for sure. I mean, we had fumbles, red zone scoring chances that we didn't capitalize on. So there's a lot of things that we continue to need to work on and we will. We'll keep addressing it. This update is brought to you by Football Friday, which is presented by Mountain Land Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainlandsupply.com.
told you we'll make a play. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. BYU hits the road to square off against Utah State in Logan as the Cougars look to keep their undefeated dream season alive. Hear every second of every minute of the game on the Zone Sports Network, beginning with the pregame show Friday at 6. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, turn world to its own needs. Dummy, serve your own needs, beat it up and ox. It's the big show live from Wasatch Front Kia, 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 770 West, Riverdale Road. Come on by and see us. We've got Christian Cox joining the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. But right now it's time for a market update brought to you by our friends at TridayTrading.com. Now anyone, even you, can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordon, how uh, did the markets do today? Before I get to that, could I uh, complain to Austin about him playing that song after the story he relayed to us uh, about 10 minutes ago? I didn't pick band of the day. Oh, I don't want to talk about the asteroid or whatever it is. Yeah, we talked about that off the air. They thought it was a dwarf planet. Turns out it's a, a mega comet, and it's coming for our solar system. Jake, in the year 2031. All right. And then he plays It's the End of the World as we know it. Well, the band of the day is R.E.M., and that's probably their biggest hit. <laughs> And this is the market update segment. Yeah, so it, it is. It, it fits. Is, it is. All right, let's get to that. Um, the Dow, Jake, was up uh, better than 90 points today. They are great. The NASDAQ, however, was down 34 points. <laughs> the S&P, however, was up just shy of seven points. And Wang. I love it. All David James today. <laughs> what was that last one? What was that about? And Wang. Uh, I believe I was listening to that one live when it happened. It was years ago. He was he got mixed up between bang and wham, I think. <laughs> yeah. Whap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Yeah. And he said Wang? Yeah. Shout out to our friend David James, who I'm very angry at for once again selecting the Broncos to be on in the afternoon on Channel 2 on Sunday. Stop oh, it. Jake, he doesn't really pick those games. He doesn't pick the games. <laughs> Stop it. That's why it's funny. People that's, believe you. That's Whap. why it's funny. Whap. But they believe you. That's why it's funny. Wow. I'm standing up for justice and truth. That is not, you are not. You're just trying to mess with my fun. Either unknowingly or knowingly trying to mess with my fun. Uh, People don't know that you're kidding. But that's why it's funny. Because 99% of the people out there know that I'm kidding. But the 1% that actually blow up the newsroom. That is true. That's not true. uh, Did you ever listen to the old Phil Hendry radio show? Yeah, yeah. Where 99% of the audience knew exactly what was going on. Except for the one person who was so mad that they called in. Yes, that's why it's funny. It was more 70-30. Stop. It was not more 70-30. People believe you. They tune in right now and they hear you say that and they go, that. David James. I know, right? He could pick better games. You're misleading them. 
I wish he'd pick something else. Eddie, give me the Jaguars. At least then I could watch Urban Meyer have a stroke on the sideline. Oh, that's not funny. Especially for a man who's had some issues. Okay, I take it back. Apologize. A nervous breakdown on the sidelines. Is that better? Uh, I think it was more than just that, wasn't it? No, he, uh, never mind. I was just changing up the ailment as to not be <laughs> offensive to you. And by the way, when is that health excuse coming out for Herbo? What over under three weeks from now? Uh, well, it may not be an excuse. It may be the truth. If if they go, wait a minute. They did win a game, didn't they? Or are they still winless? If they go winless. On I the thought year, they were winless, but I. They are. You're right. I think they are winless. Because they lost to the Texans. I was he, trying to. He's just not used to losing. David like James. That. And he, you know, he's just not used to it. It's not a part of so we should feel his bad DNA. For him? Well, if you believe that you can learn more from losing than you can from winning, no. then maybe he'll learn some lessons. But here's the guy who thinks that he indeed was the secret to all of that winning and now is getting a, a little, up, bit, a little bit different lesson because yeah. I've, I've brought this up a lot. It's amazing how many football games you win when you have the best team every week. That's true. And he's done everything he could to avoid losing, hence picking the jobs he picked when he picked them. But he comes by it honestly because it's the way he was raised. And uh, his dad... To pick advantageous situations to himself? You don't say... I think we're all raised that way. He he once told me, Irvin told me, that he, he would come home with a report card and if he had like a B or a C... He felt like the biggest loser in the world because his siblings were straight-A students. And he said, nobody wants to be the dummy. That's that's the kind of co- competition that was put into him. Yeah, and the head coach at New Mexico probably has the same story. <laughs> but, he, but he didn't but have the options. But he's coaching at New Mexico, <laughs> and Urban was coaching at Ohio State. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's. that's uh, that's advantage urban. <laughs> and now he's now. at Jacksonville. But he's and he making. can't tell me that it's not at least pleasurable to some to be like, huh? See, you thought you were the secret to success. But, you he, thought he, but you he's were, making ten million. You was he thought you were Colonel Sanders and had the secret recipe. Mm, if the secret recipe is uh, taking credit for other success, then you got it. That's kind of what coaches do. A right? little bit. Mm-hmm. Of course, they take the blame sometimes, too. But um. Well, the good ones don't. <laughs> well, well, the, the good, good ones who pick the right jobs in the no, first place. The good ones don't. They just punch their offensive coordinator right in the face and move on. <laughs> yeah. I, so it's a tricky world we live in, huh? Yeah. You got to have someone else to blame. It's got to go somewhere. That's why Lloyd's here. But see, that's that's one of the reasons I have such respect for coaches who can turn programs around. Unless they're paying off their players. But now it doesn't matter. Urban had a secret for that, too. Come in, cut a third of the team. And then the other two-thirds of the team is so petrified of getting cut that they show up on time. Yeah, but they still, either you have the talent that you don't to build off of. You know? That's why you picked the talented program when before he, you take the when job. He, when he went into Bowling Green, he cut, he ran off 22 players. Yeah. Just like that. Uh-huh. And the other 60 or so left 
showed up on time. I bet didn't they? I, I talked and to some of the played. players on that team, yeah. and they said they said it was it was just like wow. He did the same thing in Utah. I'm sure he did the same thing in Florida and Ohio. Maybe not Ohio State because they were ready to win a national title from the day one he got there. You and I both know players on Utah's team that hate Urban's guts. Yeah. More but the so. fans love him because, by golly, he got the most out of him. I know more for former Urban players that dislike him than like him <laughs> by quite a wide margin. But it's funny how none of them say that while they're playing there, right? No. I mean, it's the same thing with Rick Majerus. No. I talked to someone today who had really high praise for Rick. So there are different points of view for everybody depending upon how, what? How they're treated. Well, he won a lot of games. Yeah. And so did Urban. And it's amazing how much you get away with, which, by the way, is to the detriment of a lot of coaches, how much they get away with, because it eventually ends up being their downfall, see Rick Majerus, because nobody's untouchable. And people who behave that way learn that lesson eventually, unless your name's Jeff Bezos or something. Yeah, or Nick Saban. Uh, I don't know. Is, is Nick that way? I don't know. It seems like, well, I mean, anybody who is who's king of their realm probably feels that uh, they're invincible, which is which is dangerous to live that way, for sure, because someone's going to get you. Ever since I heard about Nick Saban's advice to players about interacting with people. What do you say? He's the most well-grounded coach, I think, maybe ever. He told his players and, and I. I don't know if we have the audio of this or whatever. I'm summing it up. Forgive me right. if I don't get it, you know, uh-huh. exactly. But but he was basically saying, hey, don't – I can't remember if he said interact or don't trust or what the verbiage he used. But essentially he was talking about don't trust anybody who has less to lose than you do. <laughs> okay. And then he basically said there's a reason I haven't cheated on my wife because I'd have to cheat with Hillary Rodham Clinton was his was his line, which is so hilarious. Because well, somebody with more to lose than he no, does, you get I, the punchline. Like it, it would have to be she's the no. one with the most to lose because this was back when she was running yeah. for president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what? hilarious. What's the matter with you? <laughs> but it was great advice. He's telling his players, he's like, don't go out and get into trouble. Don't trust people that have less to lose than you do because guess who's going to be the face of whatever goes wrong? Yeah, you are. So if you're out partying with a bunch of ne'er do wells who are getting you into trouble after hours <laughs> doing God knows what, knock it off because you when, you get, when you get into trouble, you are going to be the one who loses. Well, all I know. But anyway, look, that, that was incredibly well grounded advice okay. for a coach to give to players. All right. Well, all I know is the only thing I really know about Nick Saban anymore is that he sells insurance. Can I get one of those uh, jackets? Coach Prime. Oh, man. Been watching too much college football lately. That's the truth. Advertisements over and over again. It is weird to see Nick in a blue uh, a blue blazer, huh? <laughs> I, I've, I've, found the, uh, <laughs> I've found the quote, if you really Give it want to us, it. All right, I'm going to have to edit it a little bit. There. <laughs> Guys out there chasing ladies. 
having all of these kids, and then you come in here and try to play football. Ultimately, it's a distraction. Ultimately, you don't want to be out there chasing after midnight. If you haven't locked it up by midnight, it's not worth it. At this point, Saban paused and shuffled his feet. Uh, the color had risen in his face. His players had no idea what to expect next. Quote, ultimately, you never want to sleep with anybody who has less to lose than you do, he said. So ultimately, if, I, if I'm ever going to sleep around on Mrs. Terry, it's going to be with Hillary blinking Rodham Clinton. After a few members of the team laughed so hard they fell out of their seats, quote, it was funny as hell, unquote, says a former player, quote, and it was actually a great lesson, unquote. Oh, all right. What exactly? You did could he... apply that to other things besides what, what, girlfriends. What, what, what exactly did he mean by locking it, uh, locking it up? If she hasn't agreed to go out with you on a date by midnight, then it's probably is a that really cost. what he meant? That's what I took from it. Oh, what did he say in the second part of the quote? Uh, what was the what was the uh, the descriptive word? Ultimately, you never want to date anybody who has That's less not what he than said. you do. That's not what so he said. So ultimately, if I'm ever going to date around on Mrs. Terry, it's going to be with Hillary blanking Rodham Clinton. Not what, what he said. Why do please bring... don't say blanking Hillary Well, Rodham I can't Clinton. say the word. <laughs> Which proves my point even more. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk to our guy Christian coming up next. Christian ding, ding. Cox Ring up another show. win. Thank you. 770 West, <laughs> Riverdale Road, Wasatch Front, Kia, Kia, Kia. More next, 97.5 and 1280.